There is a very wonderful children's story by Hans Christian Andersen. And the moral of the story, I believe, serves more than just children. Uh, in fact, I think all of uh, Andersen's uh, stories and fairy tales and whatnot are, they, they're really written for adults, quite frankly. And uh, this particular story, The Emperor's New Clothes, of course, uh, is a very vain emperor, and he's convinced by his tailor that the new clothes that the tailor has designed for the emperor were the most unique garments ever made. And I think you all know the story well enough, I hope so, to remember that, well, there were no clothes, you know, nothing at all. But the tailor had managed to speak to the emperor's vanity and to actually convince him that only a, a truly, truly great person could see the clothes. And so the emperor, of course, was so vain that he had to pretend that he could see the clothes, although he couldn't. And of course, no one dared to tell the emperor the truth, that he was actually standing there naked. Everyone feared the emperor. And telling the truth was out of the question. Except as the vain emperor paraded through town to display his wonderful new garments, a child too young to understand the fear simply saw the truth. He sees the truth as it was and he proclaims it loudly. And last week, we read about Jesus reserving time to take his disciples to Caesarea Philippi, and it was a very poignant moment for them. And he uses that time to prepare his disciples for the last journey with him, the journey to Jerusalem where Jesus is going to die. And today we read that Jesus and his disciples have begun that fateful journey. And it grates. That as Jesus speaks of his death, some of the disciples are, what are they doing? They're talking about their own greatness. They're talking about their own personal greatness. And it's very obvious that here they've been with him for quite a while and they, they still do not understand that the Messiah was not to be a conquering hero but rather a, a servant who would die a very ignoble death. You know, how could they understand? If that was very foreign to everything that they had been taught as children and adults growing up about who the Messiah was going to be, the, the promise of this person come to save them. And so then Jesus gets around to asking his disciples what they are talking about. And shame, shame keeps them silent. You know, they're facing Jesus here and they can no longer argue about their own selfish ideas. Now, how many times do 
do we say or do something and never give a thought as to whether or not it's appropriate or not. I caught myself doing it this morning. It comes out and then it's like, ooh, I, I shouldn't have done that. Now, how many of those things would we continue to say or do if we found ourselves face to face with the Lord who asks, what are you doing? What are you doing? Issues get put into their proper place when we, when we look Jesus in the eye. But of course, doing so is something we prefer to avoid. You know, we don't like going to the sacrament of reconciliation. And if we do go to confession and look Jesus in the eye, we always discover things that, that we don't want to acknowledge about ourselves. And we often see that we're, we're self-centered. You know, we're not the other-centered as we're called to be. And as Jesus would have it be in our lives. You know, and in addition to things that we don't want to see, St. James tells us this evening that there are things that we do not want to hear as well. You know, we have a choice to make. We have a big choice to make, as James tells us. You know, we can make a choice, but usually we don't want to hear about what it is that we have to do to make it. He tells us that, you know, we can choose wisdom. We can choose wisdom with its good fruits, or we can choose the path of selfishness, which brings what? It brings conflict. We can choose what we want, or we can choose what God wants. You know, and it seems such a simple choice. But from Adam and Eve through all of history to you and me, we keep making the wrong choices over and over. You know, we continually seem to want something for what we will get out of it money and power and prestige. And those things do offer us immediate satisfaction. There's no doubt about it. But ultimately, ultimately they do not provide happiness in this world or salvation in the next. You know, I, I still crave those things. I think most of you know here I had a, a pretty good job before I went into seminary and making all kinds of money and certainly didn't have a spouse or kids, so, you know, I was pretty comfortable. But I was not happy. And I was not happy at all. And while I still have some of those cravings, I don't have what I used to have. And I'm pretty happy. You know, I'm very satisfied. I love my life amongst you. 
And, you know, I'm not having to worry about all those crazy things. You do have many worries with your children and, and what you need to provide, and that's certainly understandable. But true happiness is a result of a life without worry about what there is to get out of life. True happiness comes from pondering what we, what we have to offer, what we can, can give to the other. You know, a, a truly happy person can usually look Jesus right in the eye and not have to look away. And Jesus would have us take the example of a child, as we hear in our gospel. And a child can give absolutely nothing to us, nor do anything for us. You've heard me say this before. <laughs> I think I got in trouble with a few people. But think about it. You know, you're supposed to love all over your child and, and care for it because it cannot take care of itself. Because it can't give you anything else other than love in return. You know, in, in the ancient world, children were lower than slaves. They were looked at as property. The father could decide whether to expose that child in the wilderness and allow it to die or not. And because it couldn't produce, couldn't give something back. And here Jesus is speaking in that world to men who understood children in that way. You know, and, and he's telling his disciples, he's telling us that we, that we, despite the fact that this child can give us nothing, we must protect a child with our own lives and our own livelihood. You know, our time must be surrendered for the sake of the child. You know, Jesus uses the metaphor of child and children throughout the Gospels. He's not just talking about this little one that's with him now. He's not just talking about those who are just children. We are often referred to as the children of God. And we sit here in our nice, comfortable church, and we know God's love. But there are tens of thousands outside of here who do not, who we are called to treat as a child, even though they cannot give a thing back to us, that we're called to wrap our arms around them and to care for them. You know, it, it's not about what we can get that makes us happy. It's about what we can give. You know, the, the, the arguing disciples were looking for, powerful, for a powerful nation that they thought they would be in charge of, that they would be helping in spreading Jesus' action and power. And they counted themselves lucky to be in the inner circle that would probably rule over all of the people. But Jesus uses the example of a child to issue a warning. The child is a reminder that we are not to seek relationships with power or with people for the sole reason that they might be able to do something for us. It's not to be that at all. Our Christian duty is to seek to be with the weak and the vulnerable, those who need our help, those 
you know, who cannot do something for us. You know, and a person who makes the connection between serving others and happiness, which is the connection that Jesus hopes we will all make, is a person who is joyfully and spiritually fulfilled. That's a person who does not have to blink before the Lord. You know, we have to be very careful about the clothes that we choose to wear because they can be very revealing. You know, pray that you, know, you may come to know God's happiness. Pray that you may come to know what you need to do in order to experience that. And the world will be a much better place if it's full of happy people. And that will happen because they're giving of themselves. You, me, we have been gifted by God with time, with talent, and all that that brings in treasure. <laughs> How can we share that? How can we help others to know the love of God? How can we help them to know that they are children of a good question for all of us to be asking. Uh, now our Holy Father comes amongst us on Tuesday and uh, comes to bring God's joy. I would imagine there'll be a message or two that we hear that we don't want to, you know, that calls us into a different kind of being, but the message is about our joy and experiencing that in a world that needs our joy and God's joy can only be known to others through our joy.